Hi everyone. I just want to give a little shout out that Business Barn Raising is now open for the year. This time around, we are really focusing on helping people who have been interested in incorporating hippotherapy into their practice get started. And the most important things to get started really are focusing on your practice location, getting all the systems in place that you are going to need to provide services. Those are things like insurance and contracts. And finally, finding the clients that you need to run your practice. And in Business Barn Raising, we cover all of these areas, both in lesson content format as well as supported coaching calls. So if you think this is something that might be helpful to you, be sure to reach out and get signed up. We will be starting in June. Hello and welcome to Animals and Aquatics. I'm your host Ryan, a certified occupational therapy assistant, and today I want to do a short follow-up on a episode, a few episodes back, about finding your perfect practice location. And specifically, I want to get into uh, when I close my eyes and I think about what my dream therapy pool would look like. Some things jump out at me, and I'm sure some of those things would change over time or with use. I would probably want to change some things and alter and make improvements. But just from uh, a baseline of where I'm at as a practitioner, there's some things that kind of jump out that I that I would envision in um, my ideal therapy pool. And the first thing that I, I think of, jumping right into it, would be the lighting. And so with lighting, I'm even going to include contrasting uh, the floor and the walls, and having high contrast uh, materials there so that a lot of the kids that we work with have visual spatial deficits and also some sensory challenges that are affected by visual perception. And when we have that high contrast, we can more clearly define the barriers, the the borders of the room, I think that that could help to ease maybe some of the discomfort or help the kids orient themselves as as far as where they are. Moving on from there, dimmer. Having the ability to change the lighting in the environment, I think, is very, very important based on uh, the goals that you're working on and the clients that you tend to see. So we had an interesting episode a few weeks back where we actually lost power in the facility that we're at, and uh, we were able to continue along with our sessions despite losing power. And some kids that normally struggle to transition into the sessions had very, very good sessions in the decreased lighting. Uh, They were much more relaxed. And it was kind of a game changer as far as working with those kids um, and really helping them. And even some kids who who were much higher functioning, with the lower lighting, they were able to relax a lot more, whereas previously they were unable to. I had one kid who um, really just can't sit still for 20 seconds then. With the lighting being low, I was actually, after we got into the session for a little while, I was able to actually get him to go supine and do a little bit of spinal mobilization with him. And it was really cool. And I'd I'd never seen 
him that relaxed in a session. So it, it really kind of switched, switched on my idea of how important it is to be able to control the lighting in the environment. With the high contrast materials that we were talking about, uh, really being able to, part of that is also a safety concern, just to jump back to that real quick. Being able to see potential obstacles or uh, tripping hazards, but also to, to mark the barrier, the borders of the, the water itself. I think that could also be helpful, especially when we're working on safety awareness and, and things of that nature. I would also really like to have a variety of light sources available. So going along with that relaxation and dimming down the lights a bit, different colors of lights around the room and maybe even things that could throw patterns, I think could also be pretty effective in helping some of our kids who are more efficient at, at visual perceptual regulation. I think that having access to things like that, almost thinking of like a snoozeland room and how calming those can be, but also they're strange places because they're, they're calming, but they also elicit attention. They calm, but they draw you in as well. Um, and so I think some things like that could also, incorporating some of those elements could be very interesting and, and helpful. Next, going into the water. Currently, right now, what we use is we have a drop-in PVC ladder. And the slope of it is such that even for our kids who are struggling with some, some physical deficits where climbing a normal ladder is difficult, the, the, the stairway definitely is helpful. I mean, it's helpful in getting them into the pool and out of the pool in a, in a safe fashion, and also practicing some of their ADL skills a little bit. And... Um, learning about how they can uh, adapt their movements and uh, using active assist of their other limbs to help them get up and down those stairs safely. But what I've seen in a few pools that I really like, again, in my ideal pool, uh, having a sloping beach or a lagoon-style entry in the shallow end. So basically it starts off at ground and then it runs down into the water just like a just like a beach. And what's great about this is that you can actually take an aquatic wheelchair in. I did a field work placement at a children's hospital here in New Jersey and they actually had an aquatic they had a therapy pool and so I got to I, I didn't get to participate in that while I was it was a level one placement, but I did get to observe uh, a few sessions because I had said that I was really interested in it, and so my fieldwork educator was good enough to help me get access and and meet the PT who was facilitating the sessions, and so I got to observe. And they had one of those lagoon style entryways, and and. That seems ideal to me, because regardless of your physical level, you're able to engage. The other thing that I think is great about that is that sometimes we have kids who have a hard time transitioning into the water. Either they're afraid of the water or um, they're just not they're not sure about getting in and getting fully into the pool. So, Having that lagoon as somewhere that they could sit and play in the water and we can do some introductory play, slowly ease them into the idea of getting into the water, 
would definitely be something very, very valuable to have. So in that same lagoon area, I would also want some other things like the mushroom spray fountains, definitely a water table. That's an easy one. But then I started thinking a little bit bigger and I mentioned snoozling rooms and I started thinking about, well, what if we had a, a mini snoozling room built into the shallow end? And I don't know exactly how you do it with factoring in electricity and water. You typically don't want to mix those things. Again, I'm not a pool engineer, but in my mind, I can kind of see it clearly where you would have a mini snoozling room that's built into uh, that shallow end of the pool. And that could also maybe be a place to help the kids. If a kid's becoming dysregulated, that might be a good location to help them kind of get back to downregulate a bit. And as I was going along, I was also thinking, well, what if you put speakers in there too? And then you could incorporate some therapeutic listening things, for, for especially for kids who have a hard time wearing headphones. So uh, mushroom spray fountain, water table, and mini snoozing room in the, in the shallow end. The water temperature I would have around 88 to 92. That's right around where you want it. Number one, it's comfortable and it's calming and relaxing. Typically, you're going to have a, a lower water temperature if you're like a, a lap lane swimmer, but this is a therapy pool, not a lap pool, so 88 to 92 is a sweet spot where everybody's comfortable and it's, it's uh, good for fac facilitating healing. Along those lines, I would also go with uh, salt or a some other type of chlorine alternative. So the, the salt bromine is the most common alternative. However, I was seeing some things about magnesium and uh, copper ionization. Magnesium is more touted for its healing and relaxing properties more than as a chlorine alternative. Um, but copper ionization was another one, but it seems like that that's just an additional add-on to keep algae down. So it seems like your salt is the better way to go, especially when you're looking at dealing with skin conditions or people who may be sensitive to chlorine. So moving along, then we'd have, as we go a little bit further into the pool, we would have kind of our middle area. And this is where the water is going to get about, it'll go down to about chest deep on an adult. And here I would want a few things. I would want some platforms that were available, either ones that I could move around or ones that were in place at different heights, or ones they have fancy ones that kind of go up and down that you can adjust on the fly. But this would be a good having those platforms so we have an instructional platform that we use at our current location and it is it's basically indispensable it's really effective for helping kids work if we want to decrease the level of buoyancy that they're experiencing or increase because with the particular one that we have we can flip it over and it'll the the bottom's a little lower, so you'll stand a little deeper in the water, or you can flip it the other way, and you'll be standing out of the water a bit more. So we can adjust the, the level of support that our clients are getting from the water, which is very useful when it comes to practicing things like 
balance or activities that require postural stability, but also things that we want them to work on where their hands, their hands are free. So they're not worried about using their hands to keep up out of the water or swim. So in our middle, in our uh, middle area, I would definitely like that. I would also like to have a permanent stairwell put in that is at about the same slope or grade as the one that we currently use. So to, again, make it more accessible, but also to not eliminate that skill set of working on coordinating uh, your movements to, to get up and down the stairs or exit the pool safely uh, using the stairway. And then going to the deeper end, I would still want a ladder because again, I, I think that there's other value in using the ladder to exit the pool. And we've used ladders to test the moral reflex. So falling backwards and keeping your arms extended as you do and watching the kid's response is a way that we learned about to test the moral reflex, but also that it's a different reciprocating movement to climb a ladder than it is to use a stairway. That's a different cha challenge level. So I would still like to have that in, in the pool. I'd still like to have access to that. All right, now here's where we get a little bit crazier. So I mentioned before about the snoozle room and, and therapeutic listening. So there was a program that's been out for a few years over in uh, the United Kingdom called Liquid Listening. And that it seems really interesting. I've looked into the training for it and it looks like it's just in person and you have to be in London and I'm a long ways from there. So, but what they do is they, they will drop speakers into the pool and there's sounds that are transmitted under the water. So this got me thinking about a program like a therapeutic listening. And so maybe coming up with something that you could work that out, that type of uh, approach in and having speakers under the water, but I would also want speakers above the water. So having a sound system where we could either play music or some type of listening protocol, and I think it would just give you a lot of access. I know I have a few kids that if we put on music that they really like, that really helps them regulate during the session. Another thing that I would want to have would be cameras. Uh, a lot of high-end therapy pools will have uh, cameras both above and below the water, and they're hooked up to monitors, and the PTs can actually watch what the client's bodies are doing underwater. Because you have a pretty good idea when you're working with a client. You can see what they're doing, but it's not as clear as if you had an underwater camera directly laterally to them, so you could see uh, the movement, especially with the lower extremities when you're working on something like the platform. Having that underwater camera system with a monitor where you could see what's going on in real time is another piece that I would really like to include in my ideal therapy pool. We also want to consider our parents' clients or aides who are helping them get to and from their sessions. We work in pediatrics, so predominantly it's parents that we're interacting with. I know for us that especially early on in our relationships, the parents are pretty involved, especially in the pool. 
I'll invite the parents to participate in the sessions. And for a few reasons, obviously, because it can help the, the child to feel a bit more comfortable initially, but also it gives me some insight into the dynamic between the parent and, and the child and can maybe help me understand a little bit better how to help them. So <clears throat> while some of our parents are fairly active in, in the sessions, uh, a lot of them also will just sit in the bleachers and they'll either watch the sessions or they'll be uh, doing some work or on their phone. Sometimes, honestly, I think the parents are just glad to have a little bit of a break and they know that somebody is working with their, their child to help them and they can just kind of kick up their heels a little bit. So as well as having some furniture on the deck, I think also having a separate observation room where there's a large window that they can view into the pool area and they can watch the session but they're also outside of it and they can sit in and use the Wi-Fi and just hang out for a bit. Um, I think that's also important. So from adjustable lighting and spray fountains to shallow end sensory spaces, high-tech gizmos and doodads, video recording and sound systems, these are some of the things that kind of bounce around in my head when I think about what my ideal, my perfect, my, my Powerball aquatic therapy pool would look like. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope it gave you some food for thought and got you thinking about what your own ideal therapy pool would look like. We'll catch you on the next episode.